Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one. All right, we are back. It is Friday, May 1st. We've now officially been through two months of coronavirus 2020. (laughs) Which is a leap year. That meant that February had 28 days, March had at least 300 days, and probably April's going to feel like 500 days, whatever 2020's got in store, including aliens, forbearances, unemployment for agents, and a lot of other weird stuff. So we woke up this morning and read in our local, you know, community Facebook page that the governor of Puerto Rico has decided to extend the lockdown for Puerto Rico through the end of May. Yes. And that, and though I think we're waiting to confirm this, the um, curfew was set at seven o'clock and Julie thinks it's well, now. It, it was at nine for a while, then they made it seven. And now it's being ratcheted back to three. A lot of you guys are being sent out into the wild, not us. We're more in captivity. Well, I'm going to confirm that because that just sounds Looney Tunes to me, but me we're going to find out. So just we're going to talk today about obviously the headlines. We're also going to be sharing with you guys what we're gathering will be, what life will be like in the sort of post-lockdown, post-quarantine world as, as mostly as it pertains to real estate. So we're going to be drilling down to help you guys mentally and emotionally really prepare yourselves for the weirdness that's going to be waiting for you in modern life as soon as we're... In, you know, as soon as we're out of these forced quarantines, and unfortunately, it looks like a lot more states. And Julie don't, Julie and I don't technically live in a state down here in Puerto Rico, but it looks like a lots of governors are going to continue to make this lockdown thing a way of life. And we're going to talk about what's going to happen most likely with regards to people's resistance to having their civil liberties taken away, because that's going to become a thing. We touched on that, Julie and I did about a month ago, and we, you know, saw these. For, I'm sorry, these uh, lockdowns were starting to happen. And um, it's not going to be a good thing for many markets and for many communities. People are really, really going to get pissed, especially if they start essentially ignoring the lockdown rules. And then what is the government going to do? So far, we're not seeing any real you know, civil unrest being met by government overreach. But if that starts to happen, guys, we're going to enter into a whole new can of whoop-ass. But hopefully we don't. seems like calmer heads are prevailing thus far. And Julie and I spent a lot of time researching sort of what will happen if there's a return of the pandemic, which pretty much is baked in, according to many of the experts, including uh, especially the guy who's leading Trump's, uh, what's that little Italian guy's name? Fauci. Fauci, yeah. Yeah, his um, prediction is that it'll come back in the fall. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about, again, how you guys can be preparing for all that. Now, we have been sharing with you all the great news that we've been seeing um, with regards to what we think is going to feel like a return of the housing boom. And we, as we've been preparing you for the last few podcasts, we don't think that's going to last for much more than maybe September. Um, and the two biggest reasons are basically there's no real vaccine for the virus and there's no real therapy for the virus. And there's going to be a lot of uncertainty about the virus returning in the fall. So virus, 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 right? If you're not sick of it yet, just wait till the end of this year. But the other reason is, and I think the main reason is, is because of the unemployment rate. So until the virus uh, is essentially in our rearview mirror through a therapy or through a vaccine, um, the unemployment rate really isn't going to start to decline in a meaningful way. The, the uh, V-shaped recovery, there is going to be something that resembles that from the pent-up demand that, you know, essentially, again, pertaining to real estate agents, the buyers that wanted to buy and the sellers that wanted to sell over the first, you know, what's going to amount to half of the year, those people are still, a lot of them were motivated before. Now they're going to be extremely motivated and they're going to return to the market in earnest. And, you know, for you guys that are chasing buyers, your buyers are not going to have a lot to pick from. You're probably going to have a lot of very competitive situations. So it's incredibly critical that you get them all requalified for mortgages because those regu- you know, the overlays that the lenders have stuck on mortgages have definitely increased, meaning credit scores and down payments and all that. So whatever solid buyers you had 60 days ago, make sure you take them back to the lender and make sure they're still solid based on whatever new criteria your lender has snuck in. And we've also suggested to you guys that you definitely start working with three different lenders. The over- 
overlays only happen for lenders that are not actually FHA lenders. You want to find your local FHA lender and you can do that just by going to, I think it's FHA.com, find a lender. Gov. Yep. Yep. Don't use a broker, use an FHA direct lender because they don't have the stupid overlays that the lenders do. So if you go to FHA, you can still get your borrowers qualified uh, based on the previous um, you know, or rather based on the actual FHA uh, guidelines, if you go to a essentially a mortgage broker or an FHA loan broker, which most major banks are, they're not actually FHA direct lenders, then you're going to have um, an extra 100 points that are going to be necessary for a borrower's credit. You're going to have extra down payments, all kinds of extra overlays. So again, be very, very smart about what lenders you're using in a time like this. Otherwise, you're going to have deals fall out. They're going to tell you your buyers don't qualify, but what they really should have told you was your buyers don't qualify with me and why don't you just go to a, an FHA lender. So these are all important things. As far as the sellers go, there is every indication that there is going to be an absolute boom in uh, motivated sellers coming for sale. Motivated for all the normal reasons, but motivated now even more so because a lot of them who should have sold you know, 60, 90, maybe even 120 days ago um, because of maybe they had financial duress, they are really going to be motivated now. So this is your opportunity to help these guys get these houses sold. Um, just make sure you don't overprice. Don't price like it's the old market because it won't be. Um, so these are all the things that I'm looking forward to that you should be as well because it is going to create some transactional income for all of you provided you're in the marketplace and you're actually doing the right things and you're actually focused and drilled down. And again, the urgency of what I'm trying to get you guys to believe and understand is this will not last for long. So don't roll back into real estate acting like you were acting before, wasting time with you know branding and all this other silliness, thinking that the market's going to return for a long period of time because it's really not, not to those two major stumbling blocks to the economy and really to all of our health uh, are resolved. Any any tag-ons to that well, here? Well, that's true. And one thing that we're watching today, and um, there's several articles about that out as the month changes, a couple of things. Number one, we always remind you when the month changes, expired Palooza is on. And of course, you are seeing an increase in expireds. The ones who will relist are very serious, very motivated, and very likely to price it in such a way it will actually sell. So to turn your back on expireds is to say, oh no, I'm not interested in helping you which sounds kind of crazy in this market, just saying. So watch your expireds over these next couple of days, not just watch them, but do something about it. Then the next thing we're watching as the months change is rent is due again. Landlords are worried increasingly fewer tenants will pay rent as coronavirus job losses mount. As of April 26th, 91.5% of renters in managed buildings had made full or partial payments. That compares with 95% during the same period last year. Now, what's going to happen with single family homes owned by landlords? Well, we're waiting to find out what those numbers are going to be. Uh, one of the things that uh, people are reporting on is the real question is, are tenants going to pay their rent or are they going to hoard cash because they think the benefits of the CARES Act are going to term out on them and they need to hold on to their actual cash? So that spells more inventory. There's no way that it won't. And I'm going to give you guys, Julie and I, again, have put a lot of thought into this. We don't think, even though there are ends to these programs, these bailout programs, I just cannot fathom in the current political environment that there'll be an will be an end to them. The unemployment is only guaranteed for four months with this, you know, under the CARES Act. But I mean, if you guys think about that, are they really going to stop paying unemployment when this many people are unemployed during an election year? I don't think so. I think that's going to continue infinitum. And I also think that the PPP program through the SBA, I, I received more texts and emails from you guys being so you know gracious for you know, or thankful for us having told you about all these different programs. And yeah, those programs are going to get replenished. Now, will there be more restrictions and regulations and paperwork and bureaucracy? Absolutely. And we told you guys about that when we first heard about the program that you wanted to be one of the first ones in line because it would get harder to get. And it's going to get harder to get. But if you've not done the SBA PPP, if you've not gotten your stimulus money, if you've not filed for unemployment, even as a 1099, if you've not gotten all your mortgages and forbearance, if you've not done all this, guys, and by the way, Julie, I understand they're actually replenishing the EIDL loan too. Mm -hmm. yes. And I know somebody that got $10,000 in an emergency grant as in free money from the SBA. Um, if you're listening to us the, for the first time, here's really the bottom line. You guys have an opportunity to get a very significant financial um I don't know what you want to call it, Julie, a uh, lifeline from the mm -hmm. government, and you want to do everything in your power to get a hold of that. And we've made it easy for you. All you've got to do is text the word survival to 31996. 
text the word survival to 31996 and we're going to give you free access to a coaching program that we came out uh, with um, not what 60, 90 days ago that's free. And the, the whole point of it was is to help you guys through what's going to be a very rough patch in the economy. And this is our opportunity to be of service to all of you at the highest level. But you have to seize the opportunity and making sure you're leveraging all the things we're telling you about on the free coaching program. Just text the word survival to 31996. Included in the coaching program is also our guide, which you guys are probably reading about on the internet because everyone's praising it, frankly, which is really nice to see, um, called the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide. The Ultimate Agent Survival Guide is made into three parts. Its first part is personal, the second part is protect, and the third part is called profit. So in those three parts, we're going to teach you exactly what you should be doing, and all this is free. And the personal part is pertaining to all the government bailout programs that you can get a hold of. Those of you guys who were in real estate back during the 07 through 09 crash, and you were mad because the banks and big businesses were getting bailed out, and all of us poor, you know, small business slobs were basically left to our own devices. Well, they've learned from that and now they're doing something about it to try to put us first. So make sure you take advantage of those programs that don't have mixed feelings about doing them. Just take advantage because guys, frankly, in the fall, the market's going to feel very scary in terms of a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. So you need to have the financial lifeline that they're giving to you. So take full advantage of it. And all the information about all the programs is waiting for you when you text the word survival to 31996. All right, so another news story from the headline, Julie, that I picked up. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, guys, if you want all the latest news headlines, just go over to our uh, website, timandjulieharris.com. We have staff reporters that churn out these stories for you guys, usually three and four a day. So just hop over to timandjulieharris.com and you'll see all the latest housing news there. And that's also where we also uh, publish our podcasts there, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. All right, so there was another story that, oh, it was Wells Fargo. This was something mm -hmm. that's not surprising. And again, Julie, when did we start warning them about this 45 days yeah. ago? Wells Fargo. Very predictable. Up, yep, they started saying we're not doing any more home equity lines of credit. And Bank of America is going to follow. Uh, and all these other lenders are going to do the exact same thing. So listen to what your coach or maybe your future coaches are telling you. If you thought your savings account was your HELOC or your the money, the equity in your house, it is not. Because what the banks have done in the past and what they're doing now is they're stopping all HELOC loans. And then the next thing they're going to do is they're going to essentially, those of you with outstanding HELOC loans, they're not going to let you borrow any money against it or they're just going to cancel it. They are allowed to do that and they will do it. I, this is your, hopefully, your, this is making it through your skeptical head that if you've got a HELOC loan and you think that was going to be your financial lifeline, there's a very good chance that you're going to be very disappointed about that. Brokers and teams and just, you know, everybody who uses your HELOC line as your line of credit in the event that you need cash, listen to what I just told you. That money's about to be essentially withdrawn from your ability to use it. This is what the banks do. The banks are going into a protective yeah. posture because they think home values are going to fall. That's the reason they're doing this. And home values are going to fall by how much nobody knows. But when there's this much unemployment and uncertainty and a lack of confidence in the marketplace, home values, generally speaking, aren't going to appreciate. In the short run, during this little mini boom we're about to experience, yes, it's going to feel like that. After that, no, it will not feel like that. Julie, back well, to... Well, so in normal times, your HELOC is a nice little thing that you keep in the background that's, you know, your rainy day fund. If something weird happens, you're going to be okay in normal times. This is not without precedent for them to take that HELOC money away, to shrink it, to lock it up, and you just get a letter in the mail saying, guess what? You thought you had 100, 100 grand in HELOC. We might lend you 10 or 20 now. Or no more money for you. You've already eaten up 80% of it. We don't feel like you should have the rest. So be aware of that. And if you haven't applied for some of these government deals because you've got a HELOC, that is not necessarily going to save your butt should it get worse, which is highly likely to happen. So there's your cautionary tale. And you know, I'm also seeing, Tim, some interesting things bubble up with some other types of programs. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our coaching clients, Carl, uh, who lit, let's see, Carl, hopefully I say this right, Franceschi, who lives in Rockville, Maryland, who writes, Julie, on today's premier coaching call, it was awesome bit of advice you gave on the, for the $900,000 for sale by owner. Of course, that's why you guys are what you are. I talked to them about previewing when you're out of your wheelhouse and, and some bullet points to prepare for that $900,000 FISBO. Yes, there are $900,000 FISBOs out there. Uh, he talked about he's determined to acquire the PPP loan. However, he 
had been uh, being told to the banks, we're not doing that or go to a different bank. He came across Navy Federal. I'm a veteran and a member of USAA, but never of Navy Federal itself. By the way, a vet of any service can become a member. Not sure that most vets know that. Their site stated that you needed to have an account to apply for anything. So I opened a $50 checking account. Well, there you go. For those of you who are saying, oh, I don't want to have to open an account. You don't have to transfer your life savings. Just send 50 bucks and open an account. Then I clicked on, quote, emergency relief loans. There's a $5,000 limit. It's not the PPP loan, but a standard loan. I applied and it was approved within a few minutes at 6% for 36 months with payments uh, starting not until July. I was surprised how quickly they did this. I stopped by. They gave me a credit uh, debit card on the spot. If there's not a branch close, they will mail the card. Well, but hold so, on. So, so listen. That's a loan, though. That's yeah. not what we're yeah. talking about. No. Through the SBA, the, the money that we're telling you guys to get from the SBA is it's a loan that turns into a grant. Grants don't have to be repaid. That's right. Right? And um, just to put this in perspective, the SBA PPP loan is essentially two and a half times whatever your average monthly income was, you know, as a W-9 or as a W-2 or a 1099 times two and a half. Okay, so whatever that amount of money is, if you use 75% of that for payroll, even if it's your own, then you don't have to pay it back. That's the essence of it. So please don't be thinking we're suggesting, look, he yeah. took out a loan for no, five he, grand. All he was saying is he got that immediately. He's still going to do the PPP. And if you're a veteran, this might be something that you'd want to do. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I understand. All right, so next, moving on. Um, let's see. There's another interesting article over on timandjulieharris.com that talks about close to 500,000 borrowers moved into forbearance the third week of April. And I think now I read, Julie, do you remember the actual number? It was like 3 or 5%. Oh, here it is. 3.41 yeah, uh, million in forbearance increases. Uh, increased. Um, six and a half percent. Six and a half percent, right. So what you're seeing, and I think, honestly, this is, I can't, I mean, obviously all this government oversight and overreach and manipulation of the markets never plays out well long-term, but in the short-term, um, I really do think this is a great idea of allowing everyone to put their houses in forbearance because it's going to give people the extra, maybe they can make their house payment right now, but if there's no hit to their credit and there's no added interest and there's no balloon payments and you know everyone's following the CARES Act as it's written in the law, which they are starting to do in earnest, then yeah, this is a good way to keep people in their houses. We've been getting a lot of questions about um, in essence, what the uh, market, what the market's going to feel like, the housing market's going to feel like when people start coming out of their, um, you know, their furloughs basically, or their mm -hmm. sequesters. And the answer is, it's not going. There's not going to be a lot of distressed real estate. We are seeing no reasons to believe that there's going to be a an absolute avalanche, as some of you guys are anticipating, thinking it's going to be like last time. And the reason really is, is because there's all these programs. I mean, essentially, there's programs to put your house in forbearance. There's programs to you know give people essentially free money. There's all well, these. It's things a that bridge are going, which we haven't seen before. Right. You know, it's an opportunity to get it together and to be able to cover yourself and maybe not default on some things. We haven't seen that last go around. It just kind of you know, hit the fan and then we all dealt with it. This is an opportunity to get reemployed, to ramp your business back up, to change your business practices. I mean, look at what restaurants are doing. They're converting from normal restaurants to being drive-through, drive-by, pickup, delivery. All of these things are transforming. So perhaps that'll be a big enough bridge to save at least some of the economy, some of the businesses and, yeah. you know, some of the jobs. But eventually this is all going to play out. And unless there's a, you know, meeting, it won't be a hundred percent. There's no, no way it will. Exactly. So, but this will ultimately save some people from losing their houses, which would have sure as hell been nice back in 07 through 09. Yes. But moving forward, different, uh, the, times. The different times really. I mean, the, the government intervention this time around is just historical. I mean, it's almost like biblical in the size of it. This is something people are going to be talking about a thousand years from now. You know, it's not something everyone uh, has differing opinions on what the overall housing market will feel like in the next, you know, 90 to 120 days. But really what it is going to feel like is there's going to be an unprecedented sense of urgency because people are going to be consciously aware of the fact that the new normal is abnormal. They're going to be walking around, driving around, seeing everybody in their own little you know, six foot <laughs> worlds and they're going to be wearing their masks and stores are going to be, you know, you're going to start seeing um, the supply lines. You're going to start seeing grocery stores that don't have full shelves. You're going to start seeing lines to go just to normal places. You're going to start seeing different ways that the government is still going to try to restrict uh, just normal human activity. You know, the uh, Gavin Newsom today in California 
Um, you know, long story short, he shut all the beaches down. Like, how is that going to actually play out? That's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. And so what's going to happen eventually, and it already is happening really, is that there's going to have to be a real conversation that happens uh, about the actual effect, human, physical, financial, spiritual, you know, psychological, the real effect of having these forced quarantines and how many people that's adversely affected and versus the number of people that basically would have, uh, you know, basically been adversely affected had we not done this in the first place. That's the phase we're entering into. And that's what's becoming politicized. And there's a lot of, and essentially what's in a lot of cities and a lot of, you know, just little towns everywhere, you're seeing the, you know, people, they're revolting. They're revolting against their government. They're revolting against the, you know, and now that's a political thing. And have you guys noticed how quickly this became a political thing? The Democrats want everyone to stay in quarantine and the Republicans want everyone to have their freedom. This is all ridiculousness at the end of the day. The truth is, is that politics really are not the heart of our country. People are the heart of our country. And if people are feeling stir crazy or let alone maybe even becoming a little psychologically unhinged, you sure as hell better let them out of their houses, okay? And you better, you sure as heck better stop treating them like they're, you know, like essentially like they're prisoners. That's not going to end well for any political side, but mostly it's not going to end well for essentially society on a whole. True. I mean, in this country, we are not, this country, as, you know, Trump did correctly say, we're not designed to be shut down. But really what we're not designed to do is have our freedoms taken away. And if the states continue to take the freedoms away, and just like in our own little quasi-state here, I, I promise you this weekend there's going to be people on the beach. And there might be one or two cops that are there telling people to get off the beach. Are people really going to – at what point does that stop working? And then what happens, right? So it's the – and then what happens, that's the tension that I'm personally sensing from living where we're living. But also, well, that's... I thought it last night when I first read that we're going to be grounded at 3 p.m. and then our power went out. <laughs> like, really? Right. So, so the under. So, the, and the, we're pretty stable here. The underlying tensions of uh, that, of this happening for a long period of time for a lot of people, that's going to create um, a real sense of discourse about what the heck is the real role of government. Why am I telling you all this? Because you have got to do your best not to tune into it. You know it's going to be happening. You know it's going to be happening at levels that we've never experienced before with regards to people's dissatisfaction, anger. You're going to hear all these stories about protests and all the all this confusion. It's just going to be a big mental malaise. Come to our podcast every day. Listen to what we're telling you. We're going to try to keep you guys on the straight and narrow about what you should be focusing on. And remember, here's your main, your number one your number one mission in life right now is to survive. Your number two mission is in life is to make sure everyone you know and love and care about survives as well. That's the reason we put the um, Ultimate Agent Survival Guide together, and you guys can download that for free. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Do everything in your power to follow the exact steps we're leaving for you guys in the Survival Guide, because in order for you to survive, literally, and make it through this rough patch, which might last uh, six months might last, might last a year and a half might last and I heard several reports where people are saying all the rhetoric about these vaccines what they're not doing is telling you the whole story that yes they're looking promising but pro looking promising and actually having something they can inject in somebody's arm to you know somehow make it so they have a vaccine those two things can be the difference of maybe two years so we could be in this weird quasi world for two years I mean that I don't even want to think about how that's going to play out with the governments acting like they're many of these, you know, these uh, state governments acting like they're acting. I mean, guys, you get where we're getting at here. So yeah. you cannot allow too much of this in your mind. I know a lot of you are. I read your emails. So a lot of you are confused. So just focus it in. Your number one job is to take care of you and your family. Take care of their mental health, their physical health, and their financial health, okay? If you are the breadwinner, do not be afraid about what this market we're entering into. Um, you know you can make money now. There's always money to be made no matter what direction the market heads, even after this mini boom that we think we're going to experience has come and gone. And we're entering into what's going to feel like, you know, uh, what's that thing from Game of Thrones? Winter's coming. Oh, I mean, it'll be quite literal this year. Winter's coming. But, right? I mean, that's probably how it's going to feel. Well, absolutely. But, you know, one thing that I rely on and I use with the coaching clients is no matter what is happening, and that, that's a big what is happening this year more than ever before. But really, no matter what is happening, 
Most of it can be cured when you take your next new listing. That's it. You will get over the rest. Oh, you're working on your mindset. You're glued to the news, whatever. You know what? You can do all of that and have money coming in or not have money coming in. One way is a lot worse. So when you're wondering what to do with yourself, remind yourself that you have a massive amount of expireds temporarily off the market, withdrawns for sale by owners. These are all people who absolutely need you. Will some of them be taking a break because they don't want to deal with it? Sure, but those are the ones that should be taking a break because they're overpriced. I talked to somebody on the Premier Coaching Call today. She'd had lots of great conversations with a for sale by owner, but he didn't have to move and he was $70,000 overpriced, at least in his head. Okay, so good for her for making the calls, but we need to move on to the people who are most motivated, who are getting divorced, who have lost their jobs, who can't make the payment anymore, who are getting relocated, they built new construction. These people still exist and they need you. And remember guys, there's always, this is the conclusion, right? This is always money to be made, but you, it's just the people making the money, frankly, the service providers, the real estate agents doing the deals, its they're generally speaking not the same in, in transitional markets like this, let alone the market we're going into. So the agents that made money in the good times, or generally speaking, the agents that don't make money during a time like this or and don't make money on the other side of this. What's the difference? Because the agents that do make money in markets like this and the one we're entering into are the ones that are the most willing to do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level and learn the skills necessary to help agents, or I'm sorry, help their sellers sell. And that's the other thing to focus primarily on are listings. And that's a real paradigm shift for a lot of you guys. Now, nothing wrong with buyers, but the reality of it is, is if you had a choice between having 10 buyers and 10 sellers, every single one of you would choose 10 sellers. So learn how to be a listing agent. Being a listing agent is a very clear and deliberate process. It's not something that just happens now and then by luck or from postcards or from branding or because someone liked your Instagram video. It happens from you being a proactive lead generator, you literally doing the things we coach you how to do in our coaching program to do the real work of real estate. And then what you'll find after not that long, and we told you some success stories yesterday, is that you're going to start experiencing your own success stories. You're going to start doing the things that Julie and I tell you to do, and then you're going to start realizing, holy, you know, I was about to say a bad word, but holy cow, I should have been doing this all along. Why was I wasting so much time and all that silliness? Well, it's because you hadn't listened before. Well, that's true. What, what works when you have to do it is the same stuff that works whether you want to do it or not. That's right. You know, so this big purification that you guys are all going through where you have to cut out the fluff and you're not working with unmotivated sellers and you're not trying to force a buyer that really isn't qualified to do anything to buy something because you didn't pre-qualify them before you give them in contract. All of those days are over and it's really, really good for you. It's the best thing for you to not have to put up with all of that fluff. You just don't realize it till you're on the other side of it. You have to, what was it, Thoreau or Emerson, one of them said the only way out is through. Yeah. You have to get through it so you can thrive. You must survive this next bout of things for you to thrive. And yes, that means changing your ways. That means changing your thoughts. I'll give you guys an, ex great. I'll give you guys an example. So Julie and I, um, Julie is an EXP agent. And Julie and I are affiliated with EXP. And if you guys want to have an EXP conversation with us, just feel free. The easiest way, to, and I'll text you back a link to watch a seven-minute video, is just text the word EXP. To, uh, what is the code? I always 31996. Do. Thank you. 31996. What's the code again? 31996. So text the word EXP to 31996 and we'll text you back a little short video. So I'm over in um, EX, on uh, EXP's workplace and I see an agent in Texas ask a question about um, this house. She posted this really you know nice looking, probably built in the early mid 2000s house. You know, it was on a great lot in Texas. It had, the house had a relatively good floor plan, no obvious problems with it. Some obsolete things like, you know, cabinets and whatnot. And then she went off to describe all the marketing things that she'd done, the virtual tours and spending money on all this, this and the other things. And, you know, she'd spent all this money, time and effort on what really was, and I'm sorry, listeners, this is the bottom line truth, a waste of time, money and effort because marketing does not sell houses. And you guys are confused about that because you've mostly been frankly lied to. At the end of the day, there's three things that sell real estate, price, condition, and location. Marketing is not one of them. If, and this is what I, you know, nicely tried to explain to her that in you, when you have a situation where you have a house that has a nice lot, which that one appeared to have, 
you know, so let's say that's a 10 out of 10. The condition of the house, because it's somewhat obsolete, let's, you know, but it looked like it was in really good overall condition, was a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Well, okay, those things are probably good enough. And if the house had been, and she said her, the start of her post was that she was super frustrated about basically not getting the, an offer on the house and she didn't understand why I should have told you this, guys, to begin with. And that's the reason that she was pouring all this time, money, and effort into marketing. And then the third thing I suggested that she takes a look at is the price. And I asked her what the seller's motivation was, which she never responded to, by the way. And I asked what the seller owes, which is relevant. Because sometimes if a seller's motivated, but they owe too much between the first and the second, they don't know how to get the house sold. And the answer is a short sale or a short payoff, which we teach you guys how to do in the coaching program. So she put all this effort into all this stuff that really never did anything to get a house sold in the first place. And really what she needed to do is have a pricing conversation with the seller, which she did not know how to do, okay? She did not know how to have the scripts. She did not know how to essentially have the conversation in the first place. This is this real work of real estate. Having those tough conversations is what we teach you guys how to do. We're not going to tell you how to do the fluff because it's a lie. Now, it's not a complete lie. It's just mostly a lie. Here's a little interesting to back up what I'm saying fact. So the debate that Zillow used to say all the time is that you, you know, they were trying to teach age or teach sellers, you know, essentially manipulate sellers into believing. This is way back when, right? That if your house wasn't on Zillow, somehow your listing agent was a boob because they weren't doing everything to get your house sold. Right. So they were trying to essentially lie to consumers, letting them trying to get them to believe that more exposure of a house online caused the price to go up. Right. And I bet a lot of you believe that's true. Well, it turns out it's absolutely not true. There's no correlation between how many listing, how many websites, how many IDEX feeds, how many anything, how many virtual tours, how many cat monkey shows. The real reason that people do that is because agents think they're supposed to do that because no one's ever told them that the stuff is a waste of time. But the other real reason, and remember, Julie and I sold real estate, is because the market has gotten so insane that when you go on a listing appointment, you don't know how to sell the seller into listing with you other than promising all the expensive time-wasting crap in the form of marketing. So in other words, you think your listing presentation is like an arms race, that you, the only way you're going to win is if you outspend the other potential listing agent on what all the crap you're going to do to get the house quote-unquote sold. Because you don't know how to actually present to a seller the facts about what it takes to get a property sold. You don't know how to have those conversations. So you're just doing what everyone else does, which basically means that you're spending all of what would be your profit on doing things that don't actually generate any business for you and don't generate a faster sell for the seller. So Julie, does this make yeah, sense? Yeah, well, that absolutely makes sense because it's one of the most common questions that we're getting during Premier Coaching right yeah. now. You know, how do I lay that on my seller? If I if I can't promise them the world that they made X percent of a crazy quote appreciation on their house and I don't have that, how do I present that to them? Which comes in a lot of different flavors, right? Sometimes that just means that the seller's expectation was so far out of whack based actually on some reality from the past years of hyper, you know, pricing. Sometimes they just, you know, they're not digesting that. And because the neighbor's house sold for more three months ago, they feel entitled to get at least that much. So some we always talk about it's either ignorance or arrogance with sellers. Ignorance of how things actually are priced. Arrogance of their house is best because they say so. We have more of those conversations in a transitioning market than we do in, you know, a hot seller's market where you can make some mistakes, you know? So we're having lots of those conversations and it does take more skill. It does take more patience. It takes a different level of emotional maturity in some cases to be able to put your own emotions aside and to deal with reality for that seller and have those tough conversations. But those are the agents that have the most listings, who will have the most closings, helping the most people with, you know, kick-ass income. And some, you know, some of them are already doing this, Tim. Some I know. Some of them already it's have awesome. their best quarters ever. We're yeah, seeing it well, very early on in this cycle. This transitional time, which is really exciting, if you're entrepreneurial and you're being really focused here, this transitional time when so many other agents, even the agents that you're jealous of, right, who've gotten maybe a lot of listings just because they're centers of influence and in past clients, and maybe, maybe they, that's an essence of it. That's what most agents have gotten their business. So in the, in the market that we're leaving, it was mostly a relationships-based business. The market we're in now, and we're going to be in for a long time, it's going to be a skills-based business. So the best combination is the relationships-based business agent who actually has skills, but that's a very rare thing. So if you have to choose between one or the other, if you have to choose between you know, centers of influence and past client marketing and all this sort of relationship-based mindset approach to the business, 
versus actually knowing how to pick up the phone and create business when you want to create it. You obviously want to do the second one, not the first one. And the biggest reason is, over all the other reasons, is because you can control your outcome. If you have the skill set to know that any day you choose, you can actually put in the effort and get a, spe a specified result in the form of at least a pre-qualified listing appointment. If you know you can do that any day you want to, and then let's just say you start doing it every day you choose to, that's going to change everything in your life. I know some of you are saying, Tim, that's not possible, but of course it's possible. There are thousands of agents around the country that have been doing that forever. That's yes. been their business. They're not the same ones that you probably think of when you think of, you know, who's someone is successful. There's a char uh, Charlie Munger, Charlie, yeah, Munger, that yeah. says, don't make, try to make yourself famous, make your work famous. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to all these markets and you've listened to us doing interviews with these folks, what's the one common thing that they all have? They pick up the phone. And the other common thing is they don't spend a lot of money on ego marketing because it just makes you broke. I know that you guys have, many of you are having internal battles about that because you're confused that, oh my gosh, so-and-so runs this and they do this other marketing thing and they're, you know, they're spending this much money on this website and that website. But what so-and-so doesn't tell you is that they've never really done their math to realize that, yes, they might be selling more houses than you. Yes, they might be grossing more income than you. But no, they're not making more net income, net profit right. than you. And that's what we've continuously seen, especially in the last really, I don't know, 30 days from all these agents, mostly brokers that are calling Julie and I in a panic saying, oh my gosh, I still had all this marketing crap. I'm still doing all this stuff. I, I had somebody... Um, who uh, actually had two people who are heavy into radio advertising contact me. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew both of these people on and off for a long time. And so I called, you know, one of them I just texted back and forth, the other I had a call with. But the long story short was the radio ads were not working, right? Now, why weren't the radio ads working? What do you think about this? Because they're running their radio ads during morning drive time, which is the most expensive, most, you know, but no one's driving to work. Hmm. So if no one's driving to work to listen <laughs> to your ads, they're not going to work. But yeah. what they had done is they had built their whole business around buying business from radio ads. And never worked that consistently anyway. Some months you get lots of business, other months you wouldn't. But it was, and right now, they're not making any money because no one's driving to work. And some of their businesses are going to get completely wiped out because that market is not going to return anytime soon and they don't have the cash staying power to keep the lights on. And what did I tell them? They asked me what they should do. You know, And here's what I told them. Get on the phone. Start doing the real work of real estate. Re-engage learning the skills that you basically have allowed yourself to forget about because you've been buying leads from radio ads all this time. Get on the phone. Start having the real conversations. Well, you know, people are home. Yeah, I'm right, just exactly. saying. <laughs> They're not in their cars driving to work. Yeah. I mean, so this is what we teach you guys in our coaching program. We are unique in the marketplace. There is nobody else that's doing what we're doing because what we're doing actually requires a lot of effort on the part of our, car our coaches and ourselves. Yeah. And what everything we're doing is our own unique content. You, this is not just some sort of mishmash program where you're going to basically hear a little bit of social networking mixed with a little bit an of centers of influence. Yeah, it's not an idea fest. You join our coaching program and we teach you how to be successful in this market. We teach you exactly how to generate your own leads for free. We teach you exactly what to say, how to say it, how to pre-qualify. We teach you how to set appointments. We teach you how to essentially, we do the, we've created the pre-listing pack for you. All you've got to do basically is assemble it. We teach you how to then get the listing, how to price it correctly. We teach you how to do all of that stuff. And we, and obviously guys, this is going to give you the cash flow consistency and the security that you must have because the market that we're going to be into towards the end of the year is going to feel anything but secure. So it is your prerogative to use this sort of moment of malaise in our marketplace to actually do something to make it so that when the new market finally is settled in, you actually have the skill set necessary because you don't think there's going to be a crap ton of motivated sellers towards the end of the year. You don't think there's going to be a ton of expireds. How about all those cocky Fizbos? You think they're going to be selling themselves? How about all the discount companies? How about all the iBuyers? They're all going to need you. You've got to do something about this. You've got to take it seriously. If you want to get to the head of the line and join our coaching program, go ahead and text the word education to 31996. Text the word education to 31996. You guys know intuitively what we're telling you is true. There's no way you're not listening to it. Now, I do get it that you might be listening to us and thinking to yourself, oh my God, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, and you know what? For a lot of you, it is going to be a lot of work, maybe more work than you've ever done before, but it's worth doing because the payoffs 
will last a lifetime. Well, it's going to be less work than if you wait. Yeah, and for you sure. got to figure all that out, and the agents you're then competing with already have figured out, and they're absolute butt kickers. You know, so waiting is going to be harder than the actual work that you've got to do. So do you want to do likes and dislikes or likes and hates? or? Uh, you go for it. You've got some written I down. I only see. have some white ones. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I always like to end on a good note. So let's do hates first. I'm not convinced yet that this is going to be a hate. But I had the thought that I wonder what uh, fortunate and I wonder what unfortunate long-term effects the whole global pandemic quarantine lockdown is going to have on kids. I think it probably uh, depends on the age group and the environment. But, you know, I heard, uh, you know, you had proposed things are lightening up a little bit. Maybe we meet one of Zoe's friends at the beach. Um, but she was so adamant. And I, on the one hand, I was really proud of her for understanding, but she was so adamant about no data. We can't go. The virus is still around. There's, you know, we have to stay away from people. And the thing is that she's such a social kid that I just wonder how all that's going to play out. And I, I guess really we'll wait and see. I was see. really surprised by that too. And, you know, she's only really seen one video about it early on so that she understood why we were staying at home and couldn't go shopping or and couldn't go to school. It's not like I've been blasting it at her. It took one video and then some of her online homeschooling, talking about it a little bit, some of the curriculum. But it's not like she's been watching CNN or something. But she was just so serious with you about that. So I yeah. thought, hmm, I wonder Actually, how she put up her tiny little finger and waved it in my face. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is funny. But it, well, it was, I mean, she's funny, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was funny. <clears throat> yes. All right, so that um, could that could be so a hate. Yeah. That could be a hate. I'm she, not sure. We yet. wanted her to play with her little friend, Mateo. Loves Mateo. Yeah. And, and they're uh, good FaceTime buddies. Yeah. So, so they get that. That's what she ended up wanting to do is just have a FaceTime with her. I don't know if you guys, if, if you want a real hoot, get your kid in, on FaceTime playing with another kid. Because they and just act- leave them alone for a while and just watch, and it is so flipping funny. Yeah. Yes. All right. You- okay. So likes with regards to our listeners and our coaching clients. You know, I like the fact that you guys can't get fired, furloughed, or laid off from real estate <laughs> unless you do it to yourself. So you're either self-employed or self-unemployed, depending on the actions that you take. But you're not going to get a notice from quote your boss saying, you know what, real estate's closed for a while. We'll just see you whenever things open up again. And I think about that when I see, you know, even people around us that, you know, they're, they're laid off, they're furloughed, you know, some of the spouses of our coaching clients where they had a really thriving business, but it's not allowed to be open. You guys are so fortunate that if it's meant to be, it's up to me, should be your mantra because you are in control. A lot of people in the world are not in control of their destiny. So, um, so that's like, my likes is that nobody can really fire you except that's yourself. Good. And you had a good dislike. So here's a like. I like all these lifelines that the government created for yeah. all of us, for all of you. I like the fact that um, a lot of you guys, I mean, had it not been for these programs, would be frankly financially screwed. And maybe not now, but probably in 60 to 90 days. I like the fact that um, the Trump administration and, you know, as much as they've done so far, which is an unbelievable amount, are they still committed to doing more to especially help small business owners? I think that's fantastic. You know, ninety nine percent or something like that of all humans on the face of you know planet, well, in our country, mm-hmm. who are gainfully employed, work mm-hmm. for small business owners. Like ninety nine percent of all people work for somebody who's everybody. a small business owner, which is pretty much everybody. Which is amazing to think about. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I like. What I dislike is the same exact thing, mm-hmm. because the same exact thing is going to create um, a lot of really bizarre changes to the way that people interact with government. Really yeah. bizarre expectations that small business owners even are going to have for having their own safety net mm-hmm. provided by the government. How is this really going to fundamentally change the way that all of us interact with just everybody and? And I haven't seen a real organized, um, you know, discourse from people saying these programs to help small business owners were some sort of, you know, governmental nepotism or anything. I haven't seen that, but that's going to come because there's always going to be people that people that see themselves as the have-nots whenever there's some haves. So that's going to play out too. So I like the fact that the government's bailing us out. I'm sure many of you guys feel the same way. I don't like the fact that the government is going to then, you know, somehow figure out a weaselly way to make it so that 
people, at least psychologically, are going to be more and more dependent. In doing so, we're going to end up giving some of our independence away. And I'll give you another dislike. I really am finding it very hard to accept that so many people are so willing to accept losing their liberty, losing their freedom. I'm seeing all kinds of different little suggestions on the way that we can organize, you know, we can open up the economy again and people can, you know, have the freedom that, by the way, our freedom is not given to us by the government. That is not true. Our freedom is given to us because we are Americans, not given to us by the government. But the government's the you know entity that's taking our freedom away. When Elon Musk called the moves to basically people force people into quarantine fascism, he probably will be seen as being historically correct with regards to that stance. So one of the things I'm really disliking is how the like folks are so willing to just basically agree to it, but now we're starting to see things that Okay, I'll tell you something I heard today. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you're in the military, okay, I actually heard this on a Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they do to make it so that they can keep constant track of your temperature mm-hmm. is they have you fall, swallow an RDIF thing, and then they can just scan you, and no, it'll, tell you, weird. it'll tell you your internal body temperature. Two days later, you poop it out, okay? That's what I heard on the That's show. like Mission Impossible movies. It was stuff. a Navy SEAL thing, okay? That's crazy. Yeah, so, so that's... But this, they do it because they're told to. So I'm, I'm hearing this, right? Wow. And so then somebody basically in the press had picked up on that, knowing that existed, and was suggesting that but might be a way... Push for everyone, right? Exactly. should be yeah. forced on everyone. So if you want to be allowed out of your house, you have to swallow this no. little temperature scanner. Well, think about that. Now, here, here's the thing that's fascinating. How many people would agree to do it? Probably a lot. A lot. And then do you think it would stop there? Especially after time goes by and you get more and more frustrated not being allowed to do stuff. Right. You'll be like, I'll do anything. Right. So if you, if what if they can just start scanning your body temperature by just having you walk through something like a security thing, you know, and because you were forced to swallow this thing, they know what your body temperature is to, you know, supposedly determine if you have the virus or I not. I oh, that. And by the way, if you're asymptomatic, there is no higher temperature. I so mean, we all do have to have to do body scans at the airport now. We didn't used to have to do that. Yeah, that's true. And shoe scans and all kinds of things. Yeah. Well, then what comes after that? But so, so what comes, it's just that, the very thought of what I just shared with you guys. But then what comes after that is people will be more and more complacent and more and more willing to give up more of their freedoms. That scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a place I want to live. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a country that, you know, so these are the... And it could easily be rationalized by, well, you don't want to get the virus, do you? Right. You don't want to spread the virus, do you? Right. And how many people are going to be going, you know what? I kind of got used to that $30,000 or that $3,000, what was it? $2,500 a month Mm -hmm. in enhanced unemployment. You know, that's, by the way, what you guys can get. So I've been gotten caught. I like it. It's a good thing. So some sort of, you know... Bernie Sanders type politician comes along and then they already have, by the way, and you know, uh, what was it? Andrew Yang suggested there be universal basic income. They call it UBI in case yeah. you guys want to start looking for that acronym. Well, that's a nice way if you all of a sudden start saying everyone's going to get UBI of $30,000 a year and it's going to replace all the, you know, social welfare programs and everyone's going to go, well, holy crap, you telling me I'm going to pay? Okay. Now what happens is that politician is all of a sudden in his political or her political belief structure, it might soon become yours because then all they have to do is say the other guy the evil guys right are going to somehow take your ubi away and remove your financial security you see how this is a slippery slope that all of us seem to be embracing so it's like a contradiction isn't it Mm -hmm. you know the one thing that's cleared the air for julie and i with regards to all these bailout programs was because they weren't handouts these bailouts were not handouts what they really were was essentially the government following um the uh Constitution and the Fifth Amendment or the Takings Clause, and which essentially says that basically if the government takes something of yours, like through eminent domain, they have to pay you for it. It's part of the Constitution. Well, the argument is made, and I think it's, I totally think it's viable, is that the government did take away many sure. businesses' ability to make money with their business. Just like if the, if the farmer had given up his farm field for the sake of the government to build a freeway or you know whatever, he then gets reimbursed for the cost and the potential profit he could have made from you know the soybeans he had grown on the farm field. Well, the same thing goes true with all these programs. That's the reason um, morally I and Julie and our coaches don't have an issue with it is because it's not a bailout in the traditional sense. It is essentially the government reimbursing you for what they took from you as a result yeah. of the takings clause. And by the way, we're quite confident that they will continue to offer you more opportunities for uh, essentially 
I would say free money. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's going to be more of that, a bigger variety, different programs. We already saw them expand it with the uh, Main Street lending for larger businesses. So, you know, we'll see how it pans out. I was thinking today, you know, when you take a new listing, if, if we get to the point where that seller is distressed, maybe one of the first things you do is check to see what kind of government programs there are to keep them from being distressed. I don't know how this will ultimately pan out. It's just a different world. And I think you're right. You know, it's the good and the bad. It's it's like what I was saying about, you know, hates. I, I like having Zoe at home. I like spending more time with her. But at some point, like if they don't go back to school in the fall and she's like a forced introvert, I don't know how that's going to go. So she's we, never going to be I think she's about. got a long road to go on that. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? So you've got like the good and the bad of all of this. Oh, I got another you know? like. I got another oh, like. Something just hit you. What? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I helped Zoe lose her first tooth. Oh, yes. That was quite something. Yes. She she lost her. She had a really wiggly tooth. And, of course, uh, you know, of course, Mama's not going to have anything to do with it. So Dad, it, so Dad helped. Uh, you didn't pull it out. He just, you know, basically. You helped, helped it on its way. I helped it on its way. <laughs> and I was given more Zoe love and hugs and kisses. And, you know. She just, you know, and I was, I was worried that you know, she would freak out about that. But, you know, she was so worried that she was going to swallow it that night. And she said, thank you, Dada, for helping me pull that tooth. It was great. Well, it's because... And she's still showing it off. Every Zoom call she does with her kindergarten class, <laughs> she gets up real close to the camera and says, I lost a tooth. <laughs> Shows her snaggle tooth. All right. Anyway. So listen, guys, if you need us <laughs> for anything, you could text me direct. Well, you know what? What the hell? They're, right. They digress. Our listeners have, you know... Yes. They want to chill and have more, you know, unplugged yes. conversation too. I'm with you. So listen, guys, we're all in this together. Whatever comes next, we're going to be there for you. You guys are going to be there for us. If there's anything we can do for you, um, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. This is our life calling. This is our mission. This is what we do. And if there's any way we can help you follow your life mission and your calling, then you call us. Well, text me. 512-758-0206. Please don't call. 512-758-0206. And especially if you want to have a conversation about EXP Realty, that's one of the things I frankly get the most geeked up about anymore because all the folks that we helped join EXP over the past year, I see the effect that that's having on their lives and their, you know, frankly, their businesses now. Some of them, most of them have created multiple streams of income through EXP's brilliant business model. And man, I hope all of you guys at least have an open mind to that so you can enjoy the same benefits. So the quickest way for you to get a snapshot video of that is just text the word EXP to 31996 or you can text me directly at 512-758-0206. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents as acknowledged by The Motley Fool naming us one of the top three podcasts mm -hmm. only beat by National Association of Realtors yes. Podcasts. You guys have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.